Welcome to the Growth Moves Podcast with Rob Tyson. Welcome back, listener. Rob Tyson here. And in the last episode, I shared a tip to help you sell more confidently. That will appeal to you, especially if you are a dog lover. So there's a an open loop for you that's got you curious. Go and check that out if you missed it. But I'm here today with Christine Nicholson. Now, Christine is an author. She's a speaker and an award-winning professional business mentor. She works with business owners, usually in technology, engineering, or product or services businesses, uh, which are turning over a million pounds or more. She was UK Business Mentor of the Year 2020, and she's a global top 50 woman in accounting. You may have seen her on the BBC talking about business. And today, Christine and I have a great topic for you because she's going to be telling us all about the three steps to make your business worth more. So that's of interest to all of us and have complete peace of mind. But before we welcome Christine and get into all that, if you're listening to this show, could well be you are an independent consultant, a trainer, a coach of some kind, and, and maybe you're struggling for the right recipe to grow your business. Well, if you pop along to robtyson.net forward slash report, right now you can get a free copy of my brand new report, and that will show you my rapid method for creating and selling your first online program that uses your recorded content to do the heavy lifting of client engagements. And you'll also find out how our fastest client was able to do this twice in four days. The funny thing was he did it without actually trying to sell at all. So you'll see what I mean in the report. Once again, that is free at robtyson.net forward slash report. And you will also get a bonus case study sharing a simple sales approach that has generated over a million pounds in online program sales for one business to business trainer. So once again, you can get all that it's free. It's at robtyson.net forward slash report. So do pop along there now and get yours. But with all that said, Christine, welcome. How are you? Um, very well, thank you, Rob. And uh, yeah, it's actually been snowing here, and it's now the sun's come out. It's like four seasons in one day. There you go. Keeps you guessing. Well, I think it's just raining here. I don't think we've got the glamour of snow exactly. Uh, but um, uh, no, but great to, great to see you. And um, Christine, I'm going to open up with a truth or falsehood question. So tr- truth or falsehood. Koala bears have fingerprints that are indistinguishable from those of humans. Is that truth or falsehood? Oh, it's true. It's true. Well, we'll find out later. I'm going to keep you and everyone else in suspense. Um, But excellent. Great. We're going to find out about that. So um, how do you define what you do, um, Christine? So bringing it back to our topic today. Um, Do you know, sometimes I find that question really easy to answer and then sometimes it's more difficult. But um, I, yeah, I'm a business mentor, um, but my background is in consulting. And for the last 30 years, I've actually been working with clients, helping them go through the sale or exit or even acquisition process of, of their businesses um, to the point now where I know what that process is. And I actually help people manage themselves and their businesses and their teams through the whole, through the whole process. And how did you come to be making your living in this way? So I became a qualified accountant way back in the mid-90s when we were still just about using uh, calculators and we'd just moved from abacuses. (laughs) And and my first job as an accountant was actually not working in accountancy. 
Um, but I was working for a business that had been going for 60 odd years and I was multi-generational, but the next generation weren't interested in taking over. So the, the current generation had to start thinking about, hmm, well, if we're not handing it on to the next generation, what do we do? So they spent four years grooming that business and bundling the various aspects of the business into attractive packages to sell to other owners. And I was part of that uh, four-year four-year program. So I really cut my teeth on on multiple business exits. Um, part of the exit process was actually buying other businesses to make that bundle more attractive. So I worked on both both sides. And it was a fabulous experience that allowed me then to go and build my very first business through acquisition. Very good. And what kind of hurdles did you run into when you were learning these skills? And how did you overcome those? Well, there's, as we'll probably go into a bit later, there's one defining truth, and that is that every business, business owner, sorry, leaves their business whether they plan to do it or not, something comes along and, and, and leads them down a particular, a particular path. And most business owners don't know what that process is. So if they've got a planned sale or a planned acquisition, they actually don't know the process unless you're working in the M&A industry. So the first hurdle really was actually getting behind the scenes and understanding exactly what the process was before I was going through it. So I'm a typical planner and I like to know all the steps from beginning to end before I even start the process. And and the industry, even now, it's almost like they like to keep these secret so that they can just like feed you out the bit that you need to know at the moment so that you're literally only, you know, looking five minutes ahead. and what I learned is that by understanding the entire process, and that is what I do with business owners right now, is I make it really clear for them exactly what the entire process is so that they're not just looking the next five minutes ahead. They're looking at the whole process. Um, but I went through that initial barrier of actually finding out what this massive, great, big secret was. And it turns out it's not massive, big, great, big secret. It's just an excuse for them to charge really big fees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, sure. And um, we're going to talk about um, three steps to make uh, to make your business worth more. Um, and I think everyone can probably have a handle on what that means. We're also going to talk about how uh, your process, these three steps, can give people complete peace of mind. And could you just talk about that a little bit? Um, you know, what is, how, how is this going to give us peace of mind? Why is this so important? We were talking about this just before we came on, um, you know, recording. Yeah, absolutely. So given that there's one undeniable truth, every business owner leaves their business at some point. And I can hear already half a dozen of your listeners saying, oh, but I'm never leaving my business. Well, uh, I'm sorry, but there ain't no immortals on this planet yet. <laughs> yeah, it's a death or taxes uh, thing. Yeah, it's the exactly. third one, yeah. yeah. There's some absolute certainties. And so at some point you are going to leave. And if you plan that process, while you're busy planning, something might happen to you. But at least because you've you've got planning, you're actually building in this peace of mind a step at a time. So the peace of mind isn't like, let's throw a veil over your whole business and everything will be perfect from this moment on. Um, 
because there isn't a, there isn't a process or a product that can do that. But what we can do is actually identify the value. You've worked really hard in your business so far. And what we can do is identify the value that it is now and then put in the steps in, in place to actually protect that such that if something were to happen to you tomorrow or next week or next month or before you've concluded your plans or even concluded the sale of your business, as each step goes on, we're actually going to um, build a protection around it. And it's a bit like... Um, uh, earning money and putting it in the safe. You know, you can stick it under your mattress where it, if the house went on fire, then the mattress goes up in flames and so does the money. Or you can stick your money in a fireproof safe. So what we're doing is the equivalent of taking the money from under your mattress and actually putting it in a fireproof safe for you at various stages. And, and throughout the entire process of developing the value of your business, and preparing it for when you're not running it, we'll constantly be putting in those those um, little protections, almost like a series of fireproof safes for all the value that you're adding to your business. Yeah, yeah, and um, and this is important as well because it's something you said before we, we started recording, um, you described it as I think I found this um, quite compelling. You described it as a kind of a mushroom cloud effect so just talk to us a little, a little bit about that because I, I found that a really uh, useful insight so you if you're running your business and you've got employees and you've got if you've got employees then you've got customers and if you've got customers you've invariably got suppliers because very few people have an entirely in-house um you know a, a, an ecosystem that's so con- controlled so if you think about you and then you think about your employees, let's say you've got 20 employees and then you're, you've maybe got a wife and three kids. Well, OK, that's 25 people plus all the wives and kids and spouses of those employees and then your customers and then all your customers, customers and your suppliers and your suppliers, other customers and the suppliers to all of those. Customers. So when you you ripple it out, just one person with less than 20 employees in their business, if that business were to go under, or just cease to exist. It's now impacting the families of well over 100 and likely to be 150 people. And that's just with a relatively small business and a relatively modestly sized um, business. Now, given that 100% of people, business owners, leave their business, and more than 60% of them actually leave their business through unplanned um, reasons, so death, disease, incapacity, uh, disability, so three big Ds, and those are three things that you can't plan for. I throw divorce in there because sometimes businesses go under because of uh, divorce or, or they get split up because of divorce. These are all things that you don't necessarily plan to happen to you. They just happen. You know, it's life happens. And if a business owner is taken out of their business, typically within 12 months, that business will be either dissolved, insolvent or, um, or on its way out within 12 months just because the business owner isn't there leading. And it's because the business has been de- uh, developed in such a way that the business owner and the business are actually so dependent on each other that they literally can't survive without each other. It's almost parasitic. Uh, and most business owners don't realise the impact that their one, their activity and the dependence of their business is now leading to this 150 people or more uh, being impacted. That's really that's really bad. It's really bad for them as an individual. It's bad for their families. It's bad for all of the other people. It's bad for society. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that I, I really like that because that, you know, if if anyone does need a bit more impetus to uh, to think seriously about this, they, it's right there for them, isn't it? Because, um, you know, yes, it's uh, it's something you should do for yourself, but um, it's something that uh, if something unexpected were to happen, kind of protects uh, protects other people as well. Um, so let's get into those steps um, then, Christine. So um, let's just talk to us a bit about step one. What What is it and what are the, at a kind of a high level, um, what's it about? Okay. So the first thing I always get people to do is actually look at the realistic value of their business. And the value isn't just the monetary financial value. Um, because, you know, most businesses are valued on on a multiple of EBIT, um, either earnings before tax or on multiples of their revenue. Uh, But that just gives you a financial picture. The the real value in your business is how transferable it is to other ownership and what the inherent risks are in, in the business. So there's really three elements to the value of the business, and that's the value to you right now and what how it's serving you and what you want out of it. What, what the value according to what the numbers say, so how your accounts and, and um, uh, the, the financial information is, and then the risks that are associated with the business. Because that, if you mitigate some of the risks, then the, the value of your business can actually go up. If you don't mitigate some of the risks in your business, the value of your business can actually go down, which makes it worth less than you would hope and sometimes makes it completely worthless Yeah, great, and um, that's uh, sort of prompted prompted some some thoughts with me. So, if um, you know, how would how would you think then about um, you know there, when we know there are a lot of businesses out there that are sort of run and they're uh, they can be reasonably successful but still run in a kind of seat of the pants fashion, and where would you put? thing and 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 that can only become a, a serious problem i guess when the you know the the owner does get hit by a, the proverbial bus or whatever so how do you think then about something like um an operations manual or a set of systems that someone might have in a business do you do you sort of perceive that is that um an asset for the business or do you think that's more about reducing the risk um oh it's both uh-huh. yeah, it, it's absolutely both So when I first started writing books, the first book I wrote was called Five Minute Finance, which was um, it was really designed to take a business owner through the basic numbers, what the language means and how they can calculate these numbers themselves and and the, the kind of data that goes in to create information that they can use to then make effectively effective decisions. And I wrote it really with one client in mind, but. Uh, now it still sells reasonably well. It's, it's nearly five years old now. So, so I, I wrote that book, and then what came out of that was the second book, which was really about if you've got your finances nailed and you understand that, what's the what's the other non-financial language that you really need to to use? And there's always seven questions that I ask um, of all of the business owners, and it's: Do you have a plan? Do you have systems? Do you have the right people in in place? Uh, Are you forecasting and managing your cash flow? Do you know your numbers? 
What's the relationship that you have with your business? Because you're invariably the owner and you're invariably the director. And then are you doing a job? But how does that fit with the entire relate? You know, the entire relationship with your business. And then the final one, the final question is: What impact is all of that having on your relationship with your family? Because business owners are in the really high bracket for suicide. They're in the really high percentage bracket for divorce. Um, And, you know, there's a a huge number of business owners that are literally struggling and they're um, stumbling one month to the other from a cash flow perspective. And all of that doesn't just affect you as a, it affects your entire being as a human being. It affects your wealth being it affects your health being um, and it affects your uh, well-being so your mental your mental health and your capacity to make decisions so that so the my second book which was what's your profit score actually just talks about where you might be on a scale for any of those seven things and also helps you what you need to do to to score higher and therefore be better earn more money run a, a more an easier to run business that gives you more um, immediate finance, but also builds more capital value. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned there, one of the questions is, do do you know your numbers? So um, talk to us a little bit about that. What numbers are you thinking of? How many numbers should we know? What are they? Just, just briefly talk to us about that a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. I mean, I'm still surprised by how many people run their business off their bank account, like what's in my bank account today? And how many sales did I do? Um, If you don't know uh, what your profit margin is, so your, your gross profit margin, which is your immediate stuff that you've sold, cost of stuff that you sold and the margin that you you've got, and then you need to know what your break-even number is. Now, to, to understand your break-even number, you need to know what your overheads are, are. So if your overheads are, let's let's just pick some nice round numbers. If your overheads are um, a million pound a year and you're turning over five million pound a year and your cost of sales is two million pound a year, so you're bringing in five, your cost of sales is three, that gives you a gross profit of two, and your overheads are, are a million, therefore you're going to make a million profit. So it's, those are really, really simple numbers. But what happens if you suddenly double your overheads for some reason? Now you're breaking even, but actually if your overheads were trending from 1 million to 2 million, how long would it take for you to know? Now, most people, it's particularly in the SME sector, is they have some really basic information if they have any information at all. And I am still surprised by the people who are running tens of millions of turnover and they're not having monthly management accounts. And it doesn't need to be huge amounts. It it just needs to be revenue, cost of sales, gross profit, overheads, net profit and trend. That's all you need. Um, The more complex your business is, then you can add to those numbers. But if you just had those basics in place, and you track them monthly. So it's not just about knowing your numbers. It's about knowing your numbers in time to do something about when they start changing. And 
with with a lot of SMEs, they they kind of like bundle off their accounts to the accountant. And then about six months later, the accountant sends them back and asks them to sign them. And then they start looking at, oh, we're making a whole lot less profit last year. But it's, we're already six months into the, the new year. You could be bankrupt without knowing it, particularly if your cash cycle works really well. But um, but the, the two, if, if, you, if all you know is every month, within a few days of the month end, what your numbers are, what those five basic numbers are, and then you forecast where your cash is coming from. So revenue sales that you've made that haven't yet been received when are they going to be received costs that you've incurred that you haven't yet paid you might not even have been invoiced for and if you can understand the timing of your cash flow and you've got those basic numbers then you are already ahead of around about 40 or 50 percent of the of the entire business market okay great and another question i had um can you value your own business and should you? Uh, yes, you can. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> I thought you might say that. So why is that? Just to explain for us. Um, uh, well, it's a bit like being a surgeon, you know, a, a surgeon that, um, let's say a cataract surgeon. You wouldn't operate on your own eyes. Uh, and it's a simple thing is that when you're in your business, and particularly if you've founded it, there's no way that you can have the emotional uh, detachment to really look at your business in the way that a buyer or an investor would look at it. So I always say, get somebody, a third party to come and do it, but be very clear about what it is that you want out of your business valuation. Because if you're valuing it for, for insurance purposes, um, then just, you know, you can actually get away with somebody just coming in and, and doing a desktop numbers exercise. And, and, and if you're valuing it for divorce valuation, that kind of thing, again, you can probably get away with a desktop exercise. But if you really want the value, the valuation report to show you not just where you are, but where you could be and, and what the opportunities are for your future valuation and where you can improve your business to get more bang for your buck, then get a third party to do it because no one's going to look at your business in uh, you, like you you do. So a third party will definitely look at it with the, with a detachment. Okay, that's great. What are the biggest benefits of getting your business valued? For a sizable number of business owners, it stops them being deluded. The number of business owners who value their business in their head according to the sacrifice that they've made and the, you know, the, the time that they've not spent with their family, the salaries that they didn't take when they were first starting out, um, the, you know, the energy and effort and stress that they've put themselves through. Um, I, I remember speaking to a client who was absolutely convinced that his business was worth 30 million. Um, when we went in to evaluate, evaluate, the business was worth less than 6 million. And he, he, he talk about shoot the messenger. He just, he just wouldn't have it. We, the, the explanation of where the value came from, you know, eventually he came down from his uh, ivory tower. But um, yeah, that, that, that was a, a tough message to get across 
Um, but equally, I've been into businesses where they've thought, oh, you know, if I get a couple of mil for this, and then the valuation has come at, at, at like 8 million, and they've been like, whoa, if I'd known it was that much, I'd have sold it already. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Because uh, it, it is just a matter of perception. And how do you handle those first types of conversation when, uh, you know, people are just completely over-optimistic and you, you've got to bring them, uh, bring them back to reality? Yeah, well, sometimes it's wise to wear a bulletproof vest. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, you 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 give the message with the explanation. So once you can justify where that valuation is coming from, I mean, uh, people fall into two classes, the, the ones that are never going to hear the message and then the ones who think, oh, actually, I really need to do something about it. It's pretty binary, um, but... Uh, I'm still surprised by people I expect to take the news badly who don't, and then vice versa. Uh, you you simply can't you simply can't tell. All, all you have to do is tell them the basis on which the valuation is made. Sure, 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 sure. So that's step one. So step one, get your business valued. Anything else? Any other bits of advice on that one, or is it, does, does that cover it well enough? Yeah, I think that's probably blown a few people's minds for now. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So that was step one, get your business valued. So what's step two, please? So the next step is really the planning process. And that's start thinking about what you want your business to be valued at. And and with the with a value, if you've got a value that actually shows you this is the value now, and here's some opportunity to increase the value, here's some activities that are identified, then that actually automatically formulates a plan with some key priorities. And the thing with planning is it doesn't need to be complicated. It just needs to be, here's all the things that I need to do to increase the value of my business. Here's the things that I need to do to protect the value of the business that I've got right now so that I'm not going to move forward by, I'm not going to move backwards a step before I take a few steps forward. I'm going to protect the value. And then actually putting the plan in writing and sharing it with the people who are going to help you increase the value of the business. I, I can't emphasize enough the difference it makes from having an idea in your head to having something on paper with some clear goals and some priorities that when you share them with others, they can then actually just grasp the nettle and get on with it um, without coming back and you being the decision-making bottleneck. Um, Tell, let people know what they've got to do and then and let them get on with it. And people will exceed your expectations or they'll leave your business. And if they do that, that's what you want. You only want people who are, who are in your business who are committed to the plan. That, and it's your plan because it's your business, because it's your life and you choose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So either one of those is a good outcome. Really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and how far out do you set this plan for i mean are we talking about is it 10 years 20 years 30 years is it three years is it two years i mean where do you where do you how do you look at it yeah um it depends entirely on the set of circumstances for the business owner so i have a client now who's in his 70s so his plan is is fairly short um you know it, it's less than three years uh, i would advise anybody planning their exit to take at least three to five years to do it um but equally, you know, you, you, if you're young, then start with the end in mind. You know, you can start your planning now and say, this is where I want my business to be in 10 years. 
that the 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 span of um, the plan can be as long as you want. Step three, which is implementation, I always say if you've got a ten year plan, you can dial that back to. to 12 months, what's the first 12 months of that 10 year plan? And then you can split that. I always work in 13 week um, modules. So with the implementation, it is literally like do one thing and do it really well. And if you do it in 90 days, you get four big projects done in, in, in 12 months. But it, it, it's, and, it, and then really with planning, it's all about prioritizing. Because if you want to go from A to B, so let's say we're planning in 10 years time, Everything only starts with taking the first step, and the first step is that Im implementation. Your, your plan is there as a guide, and the implementation phase is actually getting off your backside and doing, or, or in a business owner's case, it's actually letting people know what delegated authority they have and what they're expected to achieve. And by chunking it down into 90 days, um, it, it becomes much more manageable and less overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And talking of overwhelming, so that um, there will be some business owners will will like to plan. Um, although I, I'm guessing a lot of the ones who kind of need need you are, are the opposite, and that's that's why they're uh, they're engaging you. Um, so just thinking about that plan, I mean, what does just just at a high level? I mean, what does that look like? I mean. Um, how detailed should it be? What are the kind of key sections that might be in there? Just give us a flavour of that, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. So, so the, the great thing with planning is it really doesn't need to be complicated. And the, the problem with, with most education processes, so if you go and do an MBA, for example, they'll show you how to do this super complex plan. Uh, and then they'll get you out into the, the market with your MBA and you'll think, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to um, help the business with, with all this planning. But the best plans are the, are the most simple ones. A plan really is just a list of activities that are tied to achieving particular goals. So for most business owners, what I recommend is that they keep their plan as simple as possible. And then they just treat it as a, if I want to achieve this particular goal over a long period of time, what's the first step? What's the first thing, the one thing, such that by doing it right now, it makes everything else in the future either easier or irrelevant. And that helps you prioritize because most people, they, they come up with a plan and they think, right, here's all the activities I've got to do on this plan. Let's say it's 100 things. And then they get overwhelmed because they're trying to do 100 things at, at one time. And with the way I work is very much, a, yeah, we might have come up with 100 things that need to be done. What, what, what are the top three things that we can do? Or what is, what is it that's a one thing for one person in your organization to take ownership of that? And then you might get 10 things done, depending how interrelated they are. But if everybody in your business has responsibility for doing one thing, that is collectively part of these uh, a priority, then it'll be amazing when they know what they have to do, they know why they have to do it, and they know the impact it has on the business as a whole and how they're affecting the future economic success of the business, all of a sudden people are engaged. You know, it, it's not giving away the crown jewels or giving away the secrets. 
this is about actually engaging people that you're employing to do a job that's bigger than them. And and I, I know many people who go to work to not do a good job. And some of them, they go, well, I could do a better job if I just knew what the next step was. So you paint the picture for a few steps ahead and all of a sudden they're flying. And by chunking this down into 13-week or 90-day um, activity plans, then you will get more done than you've ever thought that you could ever do. It's just literally you will achieve more than you ever thought possible in a short period of time. It's just about communication. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, just so breaking it down into kind of, as you say, 90-day, 13-week um, chunks. And presumably at the end of each one of those, you're you're reviewing the plan. I mean, would, is, is that what you do? Because obviously things change, markets change, you know, you yeah. might launch something new, it really takes off. That, that's how you would approach the plan and kind of keeping it a live document, not just something that goes on the shelf. Absolutely. Any any business plan that's 100 pages and sits in the bottom of the drawer is just like, it, it, you, you might as well just keep a big fat toad in the bottom of your uh, broom cupboard. It's like pointless. <laughs> um, so uh, certainly the way I work with people is, and because and the other, sorry, just as an interjection, most people think, oh, if I plan and I got a plan, then what happens if things change, you know, and I'm stuck with this plan? Well, the whole thing is that planning is a living, breathing document. It's iterative. Mm-hmm. You know, it does change. You know, COVID coming along will have changed a significant number of people's plans. Now, a lot of people, it will have all been going on in their head. They won't have been um, uh, working with anybody else. And, of course, when it goes on in your head, you're almost having a conversation with yourself and you can reinforce some pretty negative feelings. Um, I know the press don't help because, you know, good news doesn't sell. But um, but if you've actually got a, a written plan and that you're sharing with others, then they will actually come up with their own ideas about how you can flex the plan. And and if you're suddenly not around, well, the plan is there as the guide for when for you know, if somebody else has to parachute in, for example. Um, the plan is there. You're, you're, it's there as a guide for what your your intentions were. So now your business has got a much higher chance of surviving, even if you're not in it for a, for a period of time or ever, because that that ha- I mean that frequently happens. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So that so we've had step one, which was get your business valued, and and we've talked about step two, which was set a plan, and we we've touched on the final step a little bit already. But step three is implement the plan. So what are your you know most most important tips and takeaways just for that aspect implementing the plan? If I could just give one one tip about all of this, it's just do one thing. Do one thing today and then do one thing tomorrow and then do another thing the day after, but just take a step. Because if you've had your business valued, you've already got some knowledge about your business. If you've built a plan, you now know where you're going to go. But all of that planning and all of that knowledge means absolutely nothing unless you actually stand up and take a step forward. And even if it's only like inching forward baby steps, eventually it's a bit like running, you know, Catch to 5K is a really good app because the first thing it does is it talks about getting your trainers on. Hardest part of training is getting your trainers on and then getting out of the door and then walking down the street. So these are the hardest things, the three hardest things. Running consecutively for 30 minutes becomes a breeze 
after six weeks and you can't even remember being stuck on your sofa. But it all starts with that, putting your trainers on, stepping outside and walking up, walking down the street. And that's as much as I can say about implementation because it is just about doing one thing every day towards that ultimate end goal. Yeah, I really like that. And one thing I've personally found useful is this idea that um, when you're trying to do this kind of proactive work instead of the kind of reactive craziness that will uh, just normally happen to you in a normal day is actually just reserving the very beginning of the day for that thing. Because then, because if you say, oh, well, I'll get, I'll, I'll do that thing I'm supposed to do in the plan at 2 p.m. What will tend to happen is, you know, other stuff will happen. It will get in the way. So if you do, if you just say that's going to be the very first thing I do and then I'll let all the craziness hit, then there's a very good chance you'll actually, you know, make progress. Yeah. I mean, my, my second piece of advice on all of this is, um, is, is be very mindful uh, of what you're actually doing. So if you look at each task, a business owner only has three tasks. Getting and keeping customers, staying legal, or making, getting and keeping customers and staying legal more efficient. Those are three tasks. So then there's three ways of looking at each of those, each of the tasks that, 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 have, um, that are in front of you. So if you look at the task and it fits one of those three criteria, well, hey, then the next thing you can do is, is it a task I can eliminate? Is it a task I can delegate? Or is it a task I can delay? So when you're talking about what should I do first, it's like it doesn't matter which order your, your to-do list is in, but now ask those three questions. So when you ask the first three questions, now ask the second three questions, which is can I eliminate it? Do I actually need to do it? If I didn't do this at all, would it impact my business? Can I give it to someone else? Can I delegate it? Or can I do it later? So therefore, that is a good way of um, finding out what's the most important task that you need to do. And then also, what are the important tasks that other people need to do? Excellent. Really, really like it. So we've had the three steps there, Christine. So we had step one, get your business valued. Step two, set your plan. And then step three, of course, implement the plan. You, you've got some really uh, nice uh, tactics for us there that you've shared is there anything else um, that we've not covered that uh, is kind of screaming out that you should uh, share with people just in terms of those three steps? Um, yeah, the big one, and this is I hear this all the time is, yeah, I don't I don't need to do this now. I'll do it and I'll do it next year or I'll do it next week. Um, there, there's, there's never a better plan than right now because you have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, and everything that you do in with regard to this is always going to add value to your business and it's invariably going to make your life easier and ultimately all these three steps go towards you having a business that's easier to sell on better terms so that you can have a richer and happier future and it's as simple as that but it starts the first step if you started it today then your richer and happier future starts tomorrow. It's as simple as that. I love it. And what's one practical action they, they could take to, to just do this? I mean, should they go and um, lock themselves in, in the office first thing tomorrow morning? Is that a good place to start? I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you say? Yeah, I, I mean, ultimately it starts with valuing your, uh, uh, valuing your business. 
And the last thing I would do is phone up a, a broker and say, come and value my business because they're going to be entire. Um, I was going to say they're going to be entirely self-serving, but they're not serving you is what I mean. So they're not necessarily self-serving, but they're not serving you. They have other um, the other things that they're serving. So if you're going to get your business valued, actually understand what that valuation is going to serve. Because it could be that it's for um, insurance purposes in terms of protecting your, your value. If you're going to value it from a sales perspective, i.e. what's my exit value, then you want it to be more than just numbers. So, uh, well, I, actually, I have a book coming out in July, <laughs> which um, it gives you all the steps. It's called Sell It, and uh, it'll be available. You know, the initial chapters will be available on my website soon. But um, the first step is always going to be understand the value of your business. That's it. Okay, fantastic. And I was going to ask you, actually, I mean, where is the best place for people to get more from you? So you mentioned the book, you mentioned the website. Where's, where should people go to um, to get hold of that kind of stuff from you? Right, well, my website is businessmentoruk.com. Um, you can email me, christine at christinenicholson.com. Sorry, .co.uk. And... Um, Oh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I mean, LinkedIn is my my favorite of the social medias. Um, yeah, I don't really hang out many other many other places. Um, the book Sell It will be available on Amazon from about the twentieth of July. Okay. And, um, uh, but it'll also be uh, you can click through and, and get it through my uh, website. Also on my website is actually a guide to how to it's called fix it and it's about how to fix some of the essential parts of your business that will make your business worth more um and it's a complete freebie uh, you can download the mini guide um straight away and uh yeah it's and again it's it's on businessmentoruk.com fantastic excellent so we will also link through to that in the uh in the show description um as well but Excellent. Christine, earlier I asked you truth or falsehood. Koala bears have fingerprints that are indistinguishable from those of humans. You answered that that was truth. And you're right. It is true. Koala bears do have fingerprints that are indistinguishable from humans. So can I, can I make a confession? Please do. Yeah. Uh, I used to run a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> I should have. That's a whole different uh, podcast, yeah, isn't different it? Podcast. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, look, well, look, no wonder you, no wonder you were so up on this. Then I was going to ask you, like, did you know this for a fact, or was it just a oh, lucky yeah. guess? <laughs> yeah. yeah, excellent. Oh, very good. So, well, you know, listeners. I mean, um, if your house is burgled but they never found the culprit, well, you know the reason now. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's master criminals. Um, anyway, this, this has been excellent, Christine. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Um, and I'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Thank you. Hey, it's Rob again. Want to build a successful online business from your expertise? Well, the game has changed. There are bigger opportunities, but also bigger pitfalls than ever before. And I would hate for you to waste years figuring these things out for yourself. Now, as a listener to this show, you're obviously a sensible person, right? So here's my invitation to you. Apply to jump on a call with me in the next few days and let's talk about you. You will get feedback on your ideas. You will get a product concept. 
that is fit for right now. And you will get a personalized sales and income plan to take away. That is free, but availability is limited. So please go along right now to chatwithrob.com. That is chatwithrob.com. Do that now. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Once again, that is chatwithrob.com. Talk to you soon.